Hey everybody, this is Danielle, and we are bringing you something a little different this week. I recently did an episode with the amazing Kate from Ignorance Was Bliss, and she was kind enough to let me run that episode on our feed for you now. If you listen to her podcast, then you might have already heard it. If you haven't, you should go subscribe to hers. She talks to everyone about anything, so you're sure to find something that you like, including but not limited to true crime. This episode is what I would call my hometown murder, outside of the time someone blew up our neighborhood. Check out episode 43 for that one. I'll let Kate introduce it further, but she is skillful at her way with words, and before you know it, the case is about me instead. So buckle up, take a deep breath, you'll be okay without all three of us. After all, variety is the spice of life, something is better than nothing, and if you shake it more than three times, you're playing with it. Enjoy! This podcast involves topics such as violence, sex, and mental illness. If this might disturb you or any of those around you, please reconsider listening. Privacy and confidentiality have been protected, with personal information removed when possible. If you ever feel unsafe or suicidal, please, please, please call your local crisis center or emergency service or the National Hotline for Suicide Prevention. The number is 1-800-273-8255. And always remember, you matter. Hey, this is Kate. I want you to think about your friends, why you're into them, why you like them, what it is about them. And then think about the ones that you think of as badass, the people that you know something about their background, or just even you really don't know them yet because they're new to you, but they just give off that aura of like, look, if I have to put together an army tomorrow, you're in it. You know, there's just some people that that exude a certain, I mean, badassery, a, a certain strength and courage, even if you don't know why, right? So that's my friend, Danielle. I... Just got to know her since I started podcasting because she's another podcaster. And right from the start, even when it was just sort of on text once in a while because we ended up in the same group, like a chat group sort of thing. Even then, I was like, this this woman's got something like there's something here that is compelling. And I couldn't always put my finger on why. Like, part of it is because she's fucking hilarious. Uh, you know, she just, she has this dry humor that cracks me up. And I'm not easy to make laugh. Like, you might think so. Because very often when I'm recording or in the middle of an interview or whatever, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying it. Plus, you know, you kind of want to play it up. You want to make sure that the other person is enjoying it too. And so you don't stay buttoned down, right? But my normal, typical daily self, I tend to be more buttoned down. I tend to be kind of hard to surprise, and it can be difficult to make me laugh. And Danielle does it all the time, because she just has this way of of saying things. So it's not just that she makes me laugh, but it's like a joke grenade. You know, she tosses it, and I catch it, and I start to say something else, and I realize, like, oh my god, like, that was fucking hilarious. So... There's that. And so I'm sort of intrigued by her to begin with. And then 
over time, I've gotten to speak with her directly and I've gotten to know her a little bit. She's been on a couple episodes here and to realize like she's got a hell of a history and she's just a goddamn warrior. You know, she just, she's been through some shit. She's seen some shit and yet she's still got this badassery. She hasn't quit. She hasn't been knocked down or if she has, she's gotten up every fucking time. And so I, I really admire her and appreciate her. So at some point, I don't remember exactly when she brought up this case. She's like, I know about this case because I have a connection with it. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. That's, you know, a pod slut. I'll talk to anybody. Right. And so sure, sure. Come on. And we chatted about a little and I, I kept wondering, like, why not just cover this on your own show? And she talked about it with me here. It became clear over the course of the, the episode because her show, it's called Hoosier Homicide, which if you say it fast, it sounds like a game show, right? Hoosier Homicide. Whatever. I, I amuse myself sometimes anyway, I guess. But anyway, it's about cases that come out of Indiana and it tends to be funny and there's more humor throughout. And it's just sort of, it's a step back. It's the way that a lot of crime cases can be because when you're a step or seven back from the crime, you can just make fun of the perpetrator and the situation, the town, the cops, the people around it. You know, they're, they're respectful to the victims. I don't want to sound like they're just complete assholes, but you can make a lot more jokes. And she hadn't come up to this case and she said, it's you know, she was saying, like, well, she just has a personal connection, but I think she's got more than that, more than just that something. I don't know how, how to word it, but you'll hear. And then toward the end, things go intense and they go deep. I am so honored and so grateful that she was willing to even let me hear that, much less record it, much less keep it. So you heard the disclaimer, it's there for every episode, and I always mean it, like, you should be adults with this, and privacy is careful, and blah, 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 you know, all the things, you do matter, you do matter. But on this one, I'm just going to kind of go around again and say that, first of all, the murder is particularly bad. The shit that is done after the death is really really bad guys so if you're not up for it don't be like that's cool and also emotionally this one's a tough one there are ptsd i hate to say triggers because people overuse that word but there are there are potentially things that if you have ptsd or are prone to anxiety reactions this could tip you over the edge okay so please listen with care this is bad shit. And it's not just bad shit that you like read about or see on TV or whatever. This is bad shit that happens to a friend of mine. Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss.
this case is connected to me just because I knew the victim. Now, I'm not going to say we were best friends because we were not, but we played sports together in like eighth grade, freshman year of high school. Even though we didn't go to the same school, we were on a travel AAU basketball team. So, you know, what happened to her later in life? I, I don't think I talked to her. I might have run into her, but let's just say I was drinking heavily at some point during this. So I don't remember much about it. And I had to look it up online. And I'm a professional Googler. Yeah, I mean, that sounds a little dirtier than it really is. But yeah, good for you. So back in 2005, uh, MySpace was a thing. Uh, I hope mine is deactivated. I'm I'm not quite sure if it's there or not. Did you have a MySpace? I did not. I was not that cool. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so this, though, is like a quote from her MySpace. She wrote it. It's not a quote from a movie or a song. It says, I'm Heather, completely laid back, love good friends, love good people. If you're looking for an open book, look no further. I'm yours. Talk to me. I will talk back. I was like, that's... It's bold. Huh? It's bold. Like, there's there's an outgoingness to it. But when the talk to me, I'll talk back part reminds me of you because you will always talk back. I'm a pod slut. I'll talk to anybody. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's 2005 um, when we start in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is central, right in the fucking middle. 23-year-old Joshua Bean and his girlfriend, 20-year-old Heather Norris, began dating. At that time, Heather was a senior at Perry Meridian High School and Josh was a student at IEPY which stands for Indiana University, Purdue University, University, Indiana. I'm not sure. I did go to school for the, there for a little bit. It was fucking miserable. Ugh. So it's like the local college, but it's huge. He was an aspiring party DJ, as was I. That's not true. I was going to say, I mean, you have hidden skills. <laughs> no. After her, gra- after her graduation, Heather moved to Bloomington, Indiana, and attended Indiana University that fall. So that's south of central Indianapolis. My sister also went there. If she could go back in time and stay there forever, she would. Okay. Over Thanksgiving weekend, Heather and her friend Aaron were home for college for the holidays. But Heather phoned Aaron crying hysterically. And Aaron obviously dropped everything and met up with her friend. And found Heather still hysterical with a scratch mark on her eye and red fingernail marks on her neck. 50 bucks to whoever can guess who did that to her. It was not me. Mm-mm. When she had calmed down, she told Aaron that Josh had hit her in the stomach and had put her in a headlock. Josh, Josh's father had intervened and they called the police. And who knows how bad it would have gotten if her, his dad hadn't been there. So that's the first time they broke up. They reconciled on Valentine's Day in 2006. Mm, gag me, oh. Valentine's. Gag you with a Valentine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he, he, so he came to visit her in Bloomington with flowers. Then they reconciled. And thereafter, she spent an increasing amount of time with Josh in Indianapolis, in Indianapolis, which I think I read somewhere that she, he would go down to Bloomington, pick her up, bring her back to Indianapolis, and refuse to take her back. So she would be stuck here and have to get a ride from her parents or friends back to Bloomington. That's like a 45 minute drive, which is. Right. But at some point, her grades start to suffer and she drops out in April. And once she's back home, 
uh, you got to get a job. You can't just hang out and do nothing. But he wouldn't let her get a job because that means she's going to meet new people. And God forbid she meet a better human being than him and break up with him. Yeah. So sometime during November 2006, a neighbor found Heather on her front doorstep on South Meridian Street, still in Indianapolis. Heather said that her boyfriend had thrown her and her belongings out of the car. And the neighbor noticed that the young woman's arms were were scraped up and bleeding. And she asked if she could use the phone to call her mom. Mom comes to pick her up. And they broke up again. I'm sure you can see the cycle already. Mm -hmm. Heather filed two separate complaints against Josh, alleging domestic battery, regular battery, and invasion of privacy, all Class A misdemeanors. The first was dropped, but the second one, in which she received a concussion, was going to go to court in June. Dangerous. I mean, I hate to say it, but it is dangerous to go to court. It is dangerous to report. Yeah. Like, those are the it, the times when you're trying to break up, the times when you're... Like, she's doing the right thing. She's documenting the abuse. Right. And, no, she's doing all the right things, you know, but the times like, when you're trying to break up and the times when you're trying to go to court are the times where it's most dangerous, which is shitty. Mm-hmm. She's, like, doing the right thing, and it's... So on April 10th, 2007, Heather stopped returning phone calls and text messages from family and friends. The next day, Josh missed an important 9 a.m. meeting at his place of employment. His supervisor called him, left a message, and he replied by email. In the email, Josh stated that he was sick and could not come to work. But then he left a message for the director saying that he had been attacked by two individuals and had just seen a doctor to get stitches. And he would have a doctor's a doctor's excuse note for the rest of the week. Josh is okay. telling two different stories already. Sick is not the same as stitches. Not in my world. At 12.40 p.m., Josh sought treatment from a doctor at an urgent care clinic to cut up his, you know, cuts where he was attacked. And But he told the doctors at the clinic that he cut himself when he was carrying trash bags containing broken beer bottles out to, like, the curb. Which, if I think that, like, cuts up your legs when you're carrying... I I know it's a thing. That can't happen. I guess, but then doesn't it seem like you would maybe double bag? Yeah. And he received 25 stitches for his cuts. That's a lot. Wow. I mean, that's juggling with the trash bag. Broken beer bottle juggling. Yes. If he had said that's my new profession, it would have made more sense. (laughs) Right. On April 12th, Josh went to a local hardware store to purchase a cotton mop, a utility knife, black trash bags, and a chainsaw. He then rented... Could they not ever... Okay, sorry to cut you off. Like, with with these people who do these things, could you not just buy, like, I don't know, Skittles... And a shovel and a small thing of paint. Like I don't know. Like yeah, make like, it a little less duh, like murder yeah. kit. Like you bought a chainsaw and then a new blade and oil for the chain. Like it's just like you. It's just so obvious. But he also rented a rug doctor carpet cleaner, so he stocked up. And I'm sure it's all at one place. It didn't say if it was like a Lowe's or a Menards. Uh, Josh Probably. told his friends and family that he and Heather had broken up. But in mid to late April, one of Josh's neighbors saw him driving away in Heather's car while wearing blue latex gloves. Why are you wearing gloves? He's practicing safe driving. Yep. Mm -hmm. Around the same time, Josh did some home renovations, painting and replacing carpet in the basement. And he told a friend who had come over that someone had started a fire 
in a trash can with a cigarette, like in their basement. So it caused fire damage. And that's what that smell was that didn't smell like fire damage at all. He also purchased cleaning material and rented a truck. On April 27th, Josh threw a birthday party for himself at his house. And friends that attended that party said, everything looked fucking fine to me. He's a great home repairman. On April 25th of 2007, Heather's mother filed a missing persons report. And on May 8th, an officer from the Indianapolis Metro Police Department located her car at a hotel on the west side of Indianapolis. Also in May, Josh and his friend David went on vacation to Mexico. While there, Josh confessed that he had killed Heather at his home. So he's not trying very hard now. On May 24th, in the missing persons investigation, officers executed a search warrant on Josh's residence. He had recently moved into the home, and a neighbor stated that he had a conversation with Josh about building a fire pit in the backyard or getting rid of some stuff he had in his truck, like cardboard and stuff. And then he planned to drive around different places to dispose of the cardboard and stuff. I don't like Josh. Fuck no. Um, the search disclosed the presence of human remains. And I think that they'd use cadaver dogs for this. If I'm not, if I can recall correctly, that's what alerted them. After learning that the police wished to talk to him, Josh left a message with the police department stating that any questions they had should be directed to his attorney, which is correct. You know, get an attorney. It's the right, yeah, it's the right answer when you've done bad yeah. things. On May 26th, Josh's father and uncle reported to the IMPD that Josh had disclosed to them that he had killed Heather, then burned, dismembered, and disposed of her body. So Josh got promptly arrested. So I will applaud, if that's the right term, that his family turned his ass in. They're like, no, you trash. Like, we're turning you in. They didn't try to hide him. Following the arrest... weak applause, though. I mean, weak applause. It's very weak. (laughs) Following the arrest, Detective Lisa Moore and Todd Lampin questioned Josh at the homicide office. He was advised of his rights, and he signed those away, and then he was advised of them again when they turned the tape recorder on. So he got told twice the Miranda rights, and Josh told officers that Heather had been staying with him on April 10th when they began to argue and that she had threatened to call the police to report he was growing marijuana in his basement. Next, they struggled over a steak knife, and he stabbed her several times. He said that Heather's last words were, I love you, Josh. I highly doubt that. He further stated that he had burned her body in the basement in a trash can and had then cut her body into several pieces. He is burning her inside. Like, how did... I mean, and I think he thought the exhaust fan, like, in the bathroom would take care of it. He had placed the body parts in approximately 10 trash bags and had disposed of the trash bags in various dumpter various dumpsters I can't say that word can't say it yeah there's yeah there you go on the south side of Indianapolis which is the very edge of the county line of Marion County into Johnson County that's the south side he had also cleaned the laundry room area with bleach painted the walls of the basement with black paint and hired someone to replace the carpet on the basement stairs so he went to a fair amount of effort to like cover this up Dude's got money, too, for a young... I mean, he was, what, 23? Yeah. 25. Yeah. He was 23 at the time. So, I mean, you know, not to be a total asshole about it, but, like, I could not have afforded that kind of thing when I was that age. No. I couldn't have afforded the chainsaw. (laughs) We couldn't... This is a (laughs) non-starter. 
It's true. Uh, yeah, there was no way I could afford a carpet or anything. Hiring people, like I would have been like, you want to, you know, you want to put in a new carpet? And they would have been like, you can't afford shit. Leave me alone. <laughs> you know, like it just would have happened. Anyway. Uh, Josh told police her death was written in stone. I couldn't do anything to change it. I didn't want to spend the rest of my life in jail. That's shitty. It, on, I, I, I dislike it intensely. Yeah. On May 31st, 2007, the state charged Joshua Bean with murder and abuse of a corpse. The state tried Bean before a jury on August 4th through 8th, 2008, in which his defense attorney tried to argue that he killed Miss Norris in self-defense. Because she came at herself with the knife and he, mm-hmm. what, what the fuck? Like, yeah. that doesn't go with anything that he just... The prosecution pointed out that the murder followed months of domestic abuse. At the close of trial, the jury found being guilty as charged. Before sentencing, Bean read a statement to Heather's family saying, I am truly sorry. A loved one is gone as a result of my actions. I ask for your forgiveness. He Googled apology after murder, and that's what came up. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like idiots for, what is it, murder for idiots? Or, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Testimony, yeah. For, testimony for dummies? There you the go. most least sincere thing. On yeah. September 5th, the court sentenced Bean to 64. Five years for murder and three years for abuse of a corpse to be served consecutively. I don't know. It was just like a few extra. Uh, Heather's mother, Debbie Norris, said, I wish he could have let her be the person that she was and not have controlled her. He would have seen the beauty that was inside Heather, the beauty that she shared with everyone that knew her and the lives that she touched with everything that she did. But he never allowed that beauty to come out when she was around him. One of my favorite things to do is to look up, you know, I'm looking at the appeals papers. Like, what's your argument for your appeal? And he did not disappoint. On September 9th, 2009, Bean filed an appeal of his conviction, arguing that his statements were not valid because he had ingested alcohol on Xanax before the interview and that he was denied his request for counsel, which he waived twice. But the, the most ridiculous thing is that he contends that his confession was not voluntary because he was suffering the after effects and shock of Heather Norris's violent death and his oh. actions in disposing of her body. Uh, he was traumatized by killing someone. You can't call him guilty. And he's also traumatized by going to Mexico. Yeah, like that was rough. My heart aches. I know. So what her mother did after this, like you've got to have something to make it your daughter's life seem worth it. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people do that. Mm-hmm. She enacted Act 316, which is Heather's Law, which focuses on teen dating violence prevention legislation. It requires the Indiana Department of Ed- Education to work in collaboration with advocates to compile a toolkit of teen dating violence prevention curriculum. But it doesn't make them have to use them. It's completely optional. So you ha- the state has to provide tools and curriculum for schools to use to educate kids from the grade six through 12 about teen dating violence, but they don't have to apply it if they don't want to. Okay. That must feel amazing to her family. All of the things that are left in file cabinets because schools are busy preparing for standardized tests. I'm like, dude, my Catholic school is too busy making sure we fix the gay people that they wouldn't, and making sure people can't get abortions, that they wouldn't have even blinked at this. 
not that I think she doesn't have control over Catholic schools. They do whatever they want. But I don't think my school would have implemented this. I needed it. It should have been there. Yeah. Josh is now 35 years old. His release date from the Indiana State Prison is 2040 when he will be 56 years old. Because well, it, what's he going to do with his life at that point? You know, like he's not getting, I don't know. He's not getting anything useful in prison because they don't. No, oh no, and especially Indiana State Prison. There, it's not. That's one of the rougher ones. I think he was at Wabash for a while. He was on an episode of like Lock Up, and they interviewed him. I tried to find that, but then I didn't try that hard, and he just seemed like a waste of space on the episode. I think he, they were testing him for drugs, and he tested positive, but he said it's the Wellbutrin he's on makes him test positive for something, and I don't know if that's a thing or not. Okay, that's what I was like. I feel like you're still lying. Yeah. Yeah. He, so. I mean, he may be allergic to the truth. It's possible. <laughs> it's a fairly common allergy that, that people have in lockup. Oh, yeah. And it's, he was sentenced to 68 years, but in Indiana, every 12 hours is a day. So it gets cut in half. Oh, God. And I don't know what other, I think Florida is every 12 hours is three days because they're so overcrowded. But I mean, that's probably not intended to be funny. No, but it is. You know, it kind of is. Like, really? Every 12 hours of the day. Got it. Mm -hmm. Duly and then noted. you get I mean, added. They may have and small then, children, in which case. But then you can get good time and all the extra activities where you can get a master's degree behind bars. And then however you go with doing something cuts off time you have to spend in there. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't kill anyone else in prison, that's a bonus. They let you out sooner. I think it probably depends on who you kill. I don't know. That's a good point. A good point. Because there's some, some people that, you know, they are even in prison, you're less than. And so, like, legitimately, oh, yeah. if, if a uh, white prisoner is who is assaulted, then there will be higher punishment than if the person who is assaulted is a person of color. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a thing. It's ridiculous. And then it just goes from there. It's just there are there are people who are screwed up enough in, in prison that nobody reports and nobody prosecutes. And oh, then no. other people who are like, oh, you were chewing gum, you know, off with his head. <laughs> they do. I, I think that's where the death chamber is. And I think it's a federal one, too. Or is that? Does Indiana still have the, the death penalty? Oh, yeah. Sorry, you sound very emphatic about that. I'm sorry, I didn't know. I'm a little ashamed now. No, they do. Oh, yeah. Well, because we have the federal prison here. They like Timothy McVeigh was executed here. Okay. Like, so they, I don't know where else they kill people federal wise. I'm sure there's more than one. It might be Colorado. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know that Massachusetts has a federal prison, and I know that the death penalty was considered for a while for the Boston bomber. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, and he is, I think, still he held there, Evans. But I'm not. I don't think they use the death chamber there at all. Although it may, you know, because I know that Massachusetts itself does not have the death penalty, and so it was a big thing about whether the death penalty would even be on the table for the the bomber. And I think ultimately it was taken off because it would be really hard to prove who did what because the Boston bomber was two brothers. Mm -hmm. and oh uh, yeah 
one died, one did not. And so they just sort of prosecuted the hell out of the one that was left. But he was a baby. So it's so it, odd that we're talking about this because Daniel and I just started watching that movie with Marky Mark. Like that's all about that, you know, the Boston bombing. Oh yeah, I yeah. I don't know how well, accurate it is or isn't, but we were watching it. I don't know, but I was watching over your shoulders while you were watching. <laughs> like that next you know so i mean it, it, the one thing that i i read about this this case that that i picked up online and it just made me so not happy that is not the right word but i actually laughed out loud while i'm doing research on this horrific i mean a horrific fucking murder like let's be clear about that and i want to come back to that about just some of the shit that he pulled which ugh, but that <laughs> this guy sued the warden of the prison because uh, uh, Keith Butts, um, and this is a, a civil suit, so they're both named. Uh, uh, this is Newcastle. Yeah. Correction. So Bean sued the warden civilly, meaning he wanted money because he didn't feel safe and he wanted protective custody. Dude, Newcastle is one of the cushier ones. Like, that's a newer facility. They keep all the child molesters there, too, on half, I think, if I remember correctly. That's one of the... Mm, that Newcastle's a newer prison. It might be a private prison. I don't know. But, Could be. I mean, they, a, a lot of them are. What, what happened? But, I mean, he, he... So, this is 2016, so it's not very long ago. No. And Bean represented himself. Oh, good. And said, <laughs> you know exactly how this went from there. Oh, yeah. right? You know the outcome, which is fine. But the... He's saying that it's cruel and unusual punishment because he's scared. Oh. He's scared when he's in prison because he feels that the the warden knows how much danger he's in on a regular basis and the warden's not doing anything about it. So from what I can gather, and I'm not really willing to read this thing all the way through much more because I skipped to the end and, and I'm lazy, but that um, that Bean is on unit through whatever it's called like not cell block but he's on like pod three yeah and there's somebody named mr lemoyne who's on pod f and bean is saying mr lemoyne threatened my life and everybody ignored me when i told them that mm -hmm. except for one he's never actually been physically assaulted and let me tell you that if you can get through an entire half day in prison which i understand is like six hours normal person time but whatever <laughs> if you can get through an entire day in prison without anybody threatening you you're doing something wrong like that's just yeah i was like that people threatening each other constantly they they're threatening each other the co's are correctionally are threatening each other it's just sort of the the culture um but that he's never been physically assaulted so first I can of all help. It's like sit down and shut you know i mean i'm <laughs> saying if he's looking for that but but that Lemoyne is in pod four. He's in a different pod. And I they don't... say that's completely that's not next door. That's like over. It's and not... they don't cross streams. No. You know, like it's not like they throw everybody in. it's not like when kids at the end of the day were like, you're on bus six and you're on bus eight, but you're all in the gym for a couple of minutes at the end of the day, like you know, in the, mm -hmm. the, the jungle that is elementary school. You don't cross streams with prisoners like you don't you keep everybody separate and you know who the enemies are and you keep them apart you know why because you don't want people killing each other in prison because it's bad press it makes more paperwork it's, it's I'm, I'm saying and so besides he's not suing saying i like like there's a criminal action here 
he's he's suing for for basically for relief of give me some more money so that I can buy more Cheetos and also put me in protective custody all the time. And their Why response want- is, what's up? Why would you want protective custody? Isn't that almost like solitary? Yeah. And it's because he's tired of getting t- he said bad words, too. He's got delicate sensibilities. <laughs> How did this man ever dismember a human being? I mean, yeah. So basically, they they said, like, look, if you want to have a bench trial to actually pursue this, you have to have a lawyer. The plaintiff is not allowed to just represent himself here because he's an idiot. And yeah. that, uh, you know, there should be a judge that resolves this. This should not be a, a jury trial. Which is what he wanted. He wanted a, a jury trial, if anything. Uh, and they were he's like, just bored. He's no, bored. Exactly. And so they were like, it is so ordered. Fuck off. No no money. You can have a judge only if you want. And I can't, I don't know if he has fully, if he has, you know, pursued further legal remedy. What he got for all that trouble, he got moved to a more severe prison. Indiana State. <laughs> I mean, they stack them deep, and they can only do so much to monitor people. I mean, this the thing is, he 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 didn't want to be in general population in Newcastle. He got what he wanted. Yeah, he's not not he's in Gen Pop and <laughs> ISP. Good luck, Chief. And so. I just looked that up today to make sure I could see where he still was. So I'm assuming that's accurate. Yeah, he got what an idiot. What a fucking idiot. I have. So I oh. mean, so this guy. Let's go back to how how long had he and Heather been together? About three years. When okay. before he killed her, and, and she died at twenty, and he died, at, and, and he was twenty three when she died. Yes. So she was still a baby. Certainly. Oh yeah, baby. But how, so we know from toward the end, she was making active police reports of harassment, violence, domestic violence, that kind of a thing. Do we know how long before her death the first official report was? He killed her because he did not want to go to that trial. Right. And so it was no. that 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 was her first report was for that that trial that he was avoiding. I think she reported one before where like when he put her in a headlock and I punched see. her in the stomach and that got dismissed. But the next one where he pushed her out of the car mm-hmm. that was being upheld. And I don't I don't think they were that far apart. Right. No, it sounded like you'd started with, and it sounded like they were pretty close together. And so is there any sense of like, does anybody step forward and said, as far as you know, like, yeah, they were, he was violent and awful from the beginning, or does it sound like it was something that built? I think her mom said she never liked him. Like he wouldn't come in the house to say hi to anyone. He was standoffish and basically she knew he wasn't right. And I think her friends didn't like him ever either. That's so hard, though, for me to rely on just because, you know, I've known some shitheads in my day. I've been related to some shitheads in my day, (laughs) you know, as well. So it's not just a professional thing. And that hindsight is not always 20. You know what I mean? Like, everybody says that, but that's not the reality is that sometimes in hindsight, you see someone is worse. Like, they actually behave pretty well for Christmas dinner, but because you know that they did something awful later. Mm-hmm. you look back and you realize he always seems shifty and I never trusted him. And it's like, well, you, maybe yeah. you did. 
you trusted him enough to invite him into your home and so yeah like and how long it went like again if i'm remembering this wrong that it went like two weeks before the mom filed missing persons yeah it took a while and i don't know i almost seemed like i never read this anywhere but i wondered if he did start responding on her phone as her i didn't read that that happened i read that she stopped responding but that would make you think he was still alive exactly there's just little stuff that makes me wonder like you know it doesn't really it doesn't matter no there's a young girl dead um but just on the one hand it seems like he went to some pretty extreme lengths to cover this up and on the other hand it sounds like he was probably just high as fuck not necessarily during the violence during the killing but i would bet good money that all right so there's a case of um the club kids killings in in new york do you know yeah yeah i mean and they they killed a sort of sometime partner friend and then they talked about angel melendez is the the Mm -hmm. name of the the dead man there you go then and you can cover that case in my (laughs) but that that he had but that they had to get high as fuck to dispose of the body because he was in the tub with ice kept in the tub for the ice and drano for days and days and then you know and then eventually they had to dismember it and they talked about when it was time to dismember the body they had to get just incredibly high and that was and i'm going to use air quotes here that was only in like shit i don't know i didn't look it up beforehand but like five pieces something like yeah. that yeah like it wasn't as extensive as what this guy did so for this guy to to have burned and i'm not sure in what order I mean, it's like he said he burned, he burned first because he didn't realize he's too stupid to know you can't just pour gasoline on a body and think it's going to cremate. Like, so I think he burned her first and was like, "This isn't." Oh, working. gee, that didn't work in my basement. In the bathroom, I mean, let's in the just, basement, and now everything smells really bad. Let's like, just give this guy an honorary doctorate to every fucking college in the country right now because I mean, <laughs> wicked smart. I fuck, but that. To have gone, you know, there's several levels here of I'm going to try to burn and then I'm going to dismember. And from what I understand, you're talking about like 10, 10 different trash bags and a different few dumpsters all over the south side. They never found a piece of her. And I think that's part of, you know, given the amount of time that had gone by, like searching for through for that in the dump is not going to work. No. Well. You know, but it, I almost want to say that's how to get rid of a body. I mean, that they know, you know, as soon as the trash went by, she was gone. Well, yeah, but sometimes they can like. So there's the other of uh, the Sifrit couple, Erica and what's his name, Sifrit, who killed this couple, Janine Crutchley. And why the fuck do I know these names? And I don't know my kids' names, by the way. But they killed a couple in Ocean City, Maryland, and did an, another. It was another bathtub related dismemberment deal and that then they they dropped again you know through successive dumpsters they dropped the bodies Mm -hmm. in in pieces but they found one or they found like her leg in the dump yeah and this was a case of like it took some time to even figure out what was going on so like the trash had been picked up the trash was long dumped out but but they 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 drop trash off in grids now. Uh, okay. So, like, you can, based on the 
location of the dumpster and the date of the week, like they can narrow it down to a fairly small area of the dump. So what this tells me is that the extra levels of adding gasoline, which chemically alters the cadaver dog's abilities to cope and mm-hmm. you know you, real small parts if you're t- if you if you convince them that it's 10 different trash bags you're talking there's nothing bigger than what a skull i uh, maybe oh yeah. Take, yeah that that's going to be really really hard to find because you can't they, use cadaverogs in the dump you just no forget it it's they didn't have anything to put in her coffin so everyone wrote on rocks like messages and Ugh. I think I remember right. I I have a very distinct memory of writing on rocks, like messages. I think probably something, her basketball number or something like that. Because I traveled with her. Like we went to Oklahoma and played basketball there. And her and I were on the second string. We we weren't the, the first string. So I think things were more lax for us sometimes. And mm-hmm. we got, I don't, we, Sometimes we played the same position. Sometimes, like, we could rotate out. So, I don't know. I knew her pretty well back then, and I have a pretty clear image of her in my mind. But later in life, I'm pretty sure she was smoking a lot of pot and drinking, just like I was. Mm-hmm. And, and you, yeah. so you went to a different high school as it was. Yeah, but we just happened to play basketball. I played basketball for the, the public school because they had the AAU team that I wanted right. to be on. Right. And And so, I just feel like, if that is what has happened as far as body distill, then you're not, I mean, it's almost not worth going to try at the dump. I don't know if they did or not, but it's almost not worth going to try anymore because no, it's it just, it's so extreme. But so this guy must have gotten high as fuck to do it because that's very up close and personal. Like the burning yeah. itself, like maybe, you know, gasoline match, walk away. But when it doesn't work, like now it's time to get loaded. And it feels like this guy is kind of, kind of a pansy otherwise in his life mm-hmm. you know and and he's admitting left right and center what he did and then you know he's calling appeals after in control in proof to the to the reverse oh, yeah. that like no, no no you did and i mean i was just in court the other day for a a uh, filing thing that i had to do and you just show up for for a, a lot of low low grade court stuff you just show up and you wait and they sort of call you in when they're going to call you in and there's not a time frame. And so you get to listen to other people's shit going on. And there were things where people would walk in and go, yeah, I'm here turning myself in on an active warrant warrant, and I want to plead guilty. And the judge really, even for that, like she made them in like three or four different ways for each person confirm, like you don't want a lawyer and you want to plead. Like, are you sure? You know, and yeah. and there have been enough court cases where somebody has, you know, their confession has gotten thrown out due to Miranda. And when they have a nobody case like this, like, I guarantee every, every, you know, T was dotted and I was crossed, right? So, yeah, I don't remember there being, I don't remember there being any problems with evidence except for that they didn't find her. There's a nobody right. homicide, but then he confessed. And I actually thought they were going to offer him a deal, but. this may have been it yeah this may have been it the death penalty may have been on the table had he gone to Mm -hmm. you know had he not whatever i don't even should have so so i mean i understand you're saying you didn't know her super well when it got closer but you knew her five years prior Mm -hmm. and i think that when you know somebody who's when when they're in eighth grade and then you you hear about stuff that they did as an adult adult, most of us are like "Uh uh-huh yeah i see that (laughs) 
So, I mean, does it shock you to think of your friend as ending up in a domestic violence? No, because I was in one. About the exa- I'm lucky I didn't get shot because you talk I was. About that? Yeah, I was talking about. Oh, it would have been about the same time. I 2007 ish. I was drinking heavily and living with a guy that was a real dick. I mean, he he was compensating for being short, not and he was angry and mean. But yeah. I was drinking so much, and he would enable the drinking, so I couldn't. I wasn't going to leave, you know. And we were living in an apartment together. And he always, you know, he always had guns around and stuff like that. So it was always plausible. I think he hit me maybe once or twice, maybe a good slap. And I might have slapped him back. But man, I was always angry. He shattered my windshield from inside the car. He punched the windshield so hard it like it cracked. And I was like, damn. I forget. I don't even know what I did to make him so mad. I was definitely property. It was to isolate me from fin- friends and family, convince me that they were out to get me or they were, they didn't love me. And he did. It, I mean, it's real obvious now, but back then the alcohol is what really mattered. And he would let me do that. Was it, was it, I, you're enough younger than never mind. I was going to say, was this after the, when the drinking age became 21, but of course it was. Mm hmm. Because like it was, it was twenty one for me. Uh, you know, I I never had to face. It. It's just that I remember my 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 father's sister actually got hit with the drinking age being raised twice. Oh damn! Be- because New York State went from eighteen to nineteen, and then from nineteen to twenty one. Yeah, it was and, always twenty one. Okay, yeah. So anyway, and just the the reason that is. That, so you were under twenty one at the time, or around then, or was it a, a case? Uh, right around. Like, I was yeah. right around. Or it was a little after, man, it was like 2007 and 2008 were bad. Mm-hmm. And so I would have been turning 21 right around there. And and you get stuck. You get was, stuck because your thinking is so fogged and so heavy and, and dark. And it's so much easier to just drink and not think anymore. Yeah, it was. I can kind of remember the end, which is the bad time. You, the end is scary. And I think he just asked me do you even love me? And I was like, "Mm, I don't, I don't love you. And then, you know, and then he got his gun out and I had to, I texted my mom, like shit's hitting the fan. I think that's exactly what I texted her. And so they called the cops and they did like a welfare check. And I think that Mm -hmm. scared him enough not to kill me or himself or both. He probably wasn't suicidal. I mean, most true abusers are not suicidal. Mm -hmm. Initially they may get that way. But initially, their their thinking is not all much all that much clearer than yours. It's just they are enacting hurt, and so they're in the wrong. But mm-hmm. that they believe you are effectively property, and that you don't really love them, and that they love you more than anybody else does, and that you should be with them and only them, and that they have every right to be doing what they're doing. And how dare you question them? Oh yeah, he was an egomaniac. He was smart, and, very smart. Well, not as smart as you'd think, though. He was just quick, probably. Glib. You know, he had quotes and shit like that. But, I mean, if you're really smart, then you understand the bigger picture. You know, and and most abusers don't get that way. So they're not actually. They just, they know how to act that way. They may know how to make you feel stupid. Oh, yeah. You did make me feel stupid a lot. And that's one of the skills. And so you end up thinking, oh, he was really smart. And it's like, yeah, probably not. 
you know, because yeah. like the, the really smart people out there in the world are aware of how fragile life is and how short, scary life is. And so they, they don't fuck around. Like they tend to be nonviolent. You know, the, the smartest yeah. people tend to be nonviolent. I don't, I think I got my own apartment after that and he came crawling around a couple of times, but I ended up in rehab shortly thereafter. So that kind of helped. But this, I mean, this guy, I don't even say his name. I don't like to hear his name. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear, I don't got to say it. Like even, you know, for not being a dick to say someone's name on a podcast, I don't like to utter it. I don't like to think about him mm-hmm. uh, as most people would about their exes. But the other ones I can kind of talk about within context, like, oh, my ex did that. Nope. This one I, I wish mm-hmm. didn't exist. Man, I was, no, okay, been- so this, like. I would have really benefited from some teen dating education. I really would have. I mean, my fa- parents are fine. They modeled a normal relationship. I don't know why I picked terrible men to date that were controlling, always, always controlling and to keep you away from your friends and school and all that type of stuff. Man. I think it only takes one. It only takes one guy when you're the right age to break you down. And to, I mean, the self-esteem is a pretty fragile thing all the time. Like, I, I just, I think about, like, I still, I mean, I'm 41 years old, right? And I, and I, I kind of have moved past most of those insecure shit things that you live through in your teens. But I mm-hmm. still realize that I can, like, forget physical appearance. I can almost recite every bad review I've gotten. Oh, yeah. Those sting. Man. You know, but the good reviews I don't. And I've gotten 10 times as many good reviews. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But yeah. The but bad I... reviews are the ones that stay with me. And so you, you talk about the same with like, it just takes one person to break you down. And if it's the same person who both breaks you down and then builds you back up in a different way, you know, then your, your pattern has been set. And it doesn't matter as much how, what your parent model as what you. Yeah, no one told me my self-esteem will often dictate who I pick to be around me. Like, and I had low self-esteem, you know, and I was unmedicated at by 16. I needed psych meds and they, I was never properly managed. And, right. Yeah. God, that guy was a fucking dick. Mm-hmm. God. So and, it, and, all this and, is, and they're good profilers because they recognize who a good victim oh, would be pretty quickly, and they so, recognize you know your I weak was spots. So vulnerable when he found me, and I knew I knew this guy from when we were younger. I knew, he, and I was so vulnerable, and he moved right the fuck on in, like it took nothing. And uh, seeing what the other, so this didn't surprise me when this happened to Heather, but I think it made me pause to be like, I'm dating a guy that could do that to me. And I knew, I knew he could, but still I wanted to drink more than I wanted to be safe. Mm-hmm. And, but what happened, and I could not find this case. There was another girl that I was working with at a restaurant and she had, I could not find her this, but she went out with us a couple of times because we could go into the bar at this point. And at one point she was leaving and she asked my then garbage boyfriend to walk her to her car because her boyfriend's been following, ex-boyfriend has been following her and she wanted to get to her car safely, which he did that. Okay. One point, decent human being, negative a hundred. So I I remember thinking that I was like, man, she's got a problem. If someone's going to follow, you know, this much stalking and whatnot. I don't know if it was in 2008. She, 
he was around her apartment and I think she let him in and then he shot her and shot himself. So I was like, this just happened. Only the other one got cut up. And I was like, and this is all going around at the same time. So it's, it was very bizarre. And I I don't remember her name. I can, and I felt guilty that I couldn't, because I was drinking heavily and I couldn't, I looked a lot online, like all the context of like waitress shot or you know, murder suicide. murder suicide doesn't get that much attention because no, it's very common and because it doesn't go through the court system. Yeah, there was no trial. There was nothing I could look up. So right. I was like, I, I couldn't, I can picture her. I can see her, but I, there's no, I think it started with a K or a C, but there's a lot of K and C names, just so you know. So I hear, okay. <laughs> so. I just, I think I related to this because I knew her and because I was in the same relationship, just a different piece of shit. And well, I'm tempted now. You tempted huh? what? You tempted? I want to check now Indiana's like offender database and see if he's in it. Somehow he never, he managed never to get arrested for anything. Yeah, but that was then. He might have not. He's had 10 years to yeah. hone his craft. But I mean, that's the thing though, is that on the one hand, you see it and you were lucky to get away, you know, to, to I mean, I wonder how many lives just simply having cell phones. Oh, say, yeah. You know, yeah, because I you text- can send a text saying this shit's hit the fan, you know, whatever shit's going down. Whereas, you know, when having a telephone was the only way to reach out to somebody, you got to pick up the phone, you got to dial it correctly, you know, and have time to blurt out a message before you're harmed. And that, those seconds count. And, 911 like you don't think to call that because you're like oh no 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 it's not that kind of shit it's just that we're arguing it's just that we're this it's just that he's breaking my car it's just that he's you know like it all becomes normalized mm-hmm. because he doesn't do this at the end of your first date oh no you know I mean... he doesn't like punch you full in the face and then be like here's your flowers bye like that's right. not how it works, and and that's how they get you in is that it, it's a combination of steadily ramping up the violence plus steadily breaking down your self esteem to the point where you, you just whatever you know, and then you add substances, you oh, numb dude. out, you know, mm-hmm. you numb out. You, you there's no thought involved anymore. It, Be, I know, never it, thought of reporting him to the cops, like, and most don't. Never even thought about it. And that's the thing is because anytime in my experience, whenever you point at somebody, you're like, here's a case of another couple exactly your age and in fact to play basketball with her. And the boyfriend got upset that she was for charges. And so he killed her. And if you'd been thinking clearly in the moment, you might have thought, well, I won't press charges. No. You know, or well, it's not that bad for me. There's some reason why it's different for me. You know, well, oh, my yeah. guy has I only think... ever punched a car. He hasn't put me in a headlock. He slapped yeah. me. Okay, fine. But he didn't put me in a headlock. Like, we start to draw these these little distinctions oh, yeah. to avoid putting ourselves in that same thought. Yeah, there was some separation. Then it was like, it's kind of the same, but not really the same. And I wouldn't report the police because I'm half to blame because I'm drinking. Like, that's how I would say it. It was like, it's just as much my fault because I'm drunk. Which is bullshit, but yeah, that's yeah, the that's... drunk mind is bullshit, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure that it, 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 for Heather's case, you know, I mean, obviously, the fact that on one hand, she felt strongly enough to press charges, and yet on the other hand, she was still 
spending time with this guy, we don't really believe anybody that we care about, that we love, is going to hurt us again. Like every time we think there's something this different about this time, it's not going to happen again. And I've had people argue that, well, that's not love. And my careful and reasoned response to that is, fuck you. You don't get to tell me what love is for me. Like nobody else gets to define what love is for me. And people are like, love is patient. Love is kind. Like, okay, that's one kind of love, you know, but love is also being able to look at a friend and go, fuck you. (laughs) <laughs> you know oh, yeah. and and mean that like wholeheartedly and yet love them at the same time like that's still a form of love and love is my my grandmother <laughs> she used to spit in my grandfather's food because she hated him so much but she loved him at the same time <laughs> you know he would piss her off and so she would she would spit in his food or she would accidentally on purpose not wash any of his clothes from week to week she would just take them all out of the laundry basket, fold them up and put them back in his drawer. And he never seemed to notice. And so it was like her personal little delight for the day. That's so weird. <laughs> it's next level passive aggressive shit right there. And I'm kind of proud. But also like that's love. People that that's not love. Yeah, it is. That was 57 years of marriage and three kids. Sure it was love. Oh, yeah. Love is not always healthy and lovely. Sometimes love is sick. Sometimes love is disease. Sometimes it's it's bad for you, you know. And so she felt love for him. She went back to him. There's nothing inherently wrong with the idea of going back, like regretting an argument, an incident with a loved one and going back later and being like, oh, look, it's out of my hands now. It's in the system. There's nothing I can do. I still love you. Yeah. I don't know how she ended up back at his house. I don't I don't know if there was a no contact order. I think there might have been, and she might have been the one to break it by showing up there. This is and, what I'm saying, you know, or yeah. some sort of ruse, some sort of like, well, I was told I could go in and get my stuff, and he, I was told he wouldn't be there. Simple yeah. stuff like that. Like, you're trusting that that's the truth when I, you know, by I started working in a women's crisis center in 2003, 2002, something like that. So by then, we already had a checklist that we would give to women to be like, don't ever go to the house alone. Like you go with the cops to retrieve your stuff. And if you can't go with the cops, then you call us and we'll come with you. But you don't ever go along. It doesn't matter who tells you he's not going to be there. Oh, you're right. You know, I don't think I ever went back alone. You just you just don't. But that all it would take is let's say they have a trusted third friend to call her up and say, Oh yeah, he's in Mexico right now. Mm-hmm. Sure. Go, go ahead and get right. your shit. And so, you know, it could have been as simple as that. It could have been any number of things. There could have been, I mean, you, I, I know I've never been in a true domestic violence situation, but I've been in some fucked up, like emotional, abusive, fucked up kind of situations where I would be fully aware this is not good for me. Mm-hmm. I need to end this. And I'm going to end it right after we go have one last break of fuck. <laughs> right? Like, it's a thing. Okay. Yeah. And I, so I would be fully aware walking in like, this is not good. And one of these times, something bad is going to go down. Like, I know it is. But 
I still care about the guy and he's asked for help in one form or another and I'm not doing anything tonight. So I'll show up. Like sometimes it's as simple as that and it's as harmless as that. And then shit can blow up, you know, or. Yeah. I think they were, they might've been going over to smoke pot and she might've said, I'm sorry, it's in the system. Like it's too late. Like. And it's true. You know, there's, there's a degree to which I think in all 50 States now, last I last I knew that especially when domestic violence is involved and sexual assault also that the state effectively takes the evidence and takes it away from you. Right. So like if it's a property crime and you come over to my house with a baseball bat and you, you know, break my window or something that I, you know, I can, you know, destruction of property, I can press charges, blah, blah, blah. And then if I don't show up, the whole case falls apart. Yeah. Right. But, so like I can give evidence the first night, but then there has to be some sort of ongoing involvement in on my part in order for the work, otherwise whatever. But when it's more what they call sensitive crimes, that there's the 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 evidence is given the first night. After that, very often the victim will say, "Look, no, like even the next day, like no, for one reason or another, I don't want my name in the paper. I feel like it was half my fault because I was drunk too." I am afraid of retaliation. Like whatever the reasons are, there's a shitload of reasons why somebody might say, I don't want anything to do with this. And it is then up to the state, really, whether those, whether the evidence gathered at the start is strong enough to push the case through. Right. So even if the the victim says, look, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I won't testify. I don't want to have anything to do with this. The state cannot not just call the victim, you know, It, 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 it gets fucked up. And so, it's legitimately a case of like, look, there's nothing I can do here. But if you get somebody who's sort of a bear of very little brain, like this guy was, you know, the, the bean doesn't seem to have understood that it really would have been out of her hands. And he may have thought that maybe I'll have her come over and I'll have a talk with her, a calm and reasoned talk about why she just can't press these charges and then it'll be okay. Who knows? Maybe he's planned to kill her the whole time. Like, who knows? Like, I think that ultimately is the worst thing. But but it, to me, you know, the detail that kills me the most out of all of this is him saying to her family, the last thing she said was, I love you. Oh, yeah. He said, fuck yeah. you. I mean, just no, no. I mean, and I hope he stays in gen pop forever. <laughs> because they'll sort it out. It's just such a weird, it, it feels weird to think about. My mom remembers all of this better than I do because she wasn't drunk. And just such a bizarre feeling. Well, it's, it's, it's like you drive down the highway and you see those white crosses at the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And they mean, they don't mean very much. Like, realistically, they're just something to look at when you're in the car. Right? And that's yeah. all the news stories you ever see. are just like, oh, it's just a new news stories and you just leave it on the background while you're eating dinner or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you know, you know that person. And all, you know, always it, it has a weird, like... Now it's not just plain old something to look at. Like now it's like, wow, that that's somebody I knew that could have been me. Why wasn't it me? I don't know why. <laughs> Man. It wasn't your time. No. It, you know, I'm not saying I picked a great boyfriend after that one either, though. I was just sober when I was apparently it's ingrained. I mean, my husband obviously is much better. You hear that, Daniel? Good for you, man. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get it. But I mean, I think... Why would you choose differently, though? You know what I'm saying? Like, if your first, if your way of finding a partner the first two times follows a certain pattern, why would you 
change that because it takes a while to realize like this relationship was bad from the start do you know what i'm saying like all of them all of the relationships yeah they feel bad in totally different ways and so you're you're it feels like oh no you know there was a hundred days that led from us meeting to things getting bad and it wasn't until day 98 that I really should have done something differently. And it takes a while to sort of develop that sense of like, no, 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 actually, maybe I should start changing the way I hook up with somebody in the first place. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah, the first few relationships were just a setup for this. I don't know if things would have been different if I had been drink, you know, hadn't been drinking, if I would have reported him, if I would have ended up with him in the first place. Obviously, I wouldn't change anything because then I probably wouldn't have a podcast. Well, and that's the really important part. Yeah. I mean, out of everything. (laughs) So, hey, that went deep. I told you it would. It went deep. It was intense. Did you know that was less than an hour? The part where she and I talked? Seriously, like, it feels longer, doesn't it? And it's because you're getting a glimpse into somebody else's head and you're processing the things that they are. And when you start to feel a little bit of that anxiety, it, it, it gets, I don't know, even know how to word it, but I'm doing it with my body. Like my shoulders are, are clenched in and I'm sort of, you know, my arms clenched in tight and, and, and just, it's hard. And I hope that you did tense up along with Danielle because she deserves that solidarity. I mean, seriously, guys, what a fucking badass, right? And the reason you know that she's a badass is because through all of this, on one level, she's sort of, you know, acknowledging like, yeah, look, I, I went through this big bad shit. But on the other level, she's like, it's no big. It's no big. You know, my my connection with the crime is not that close. And the parallels in my life are not that tight. And I didn't survive all that much. Like I made some bad decisions. Blah, blah, blah. You know, that sort of self-effacing shoving off like it's not that big a deal and that's how you know that's how you know that she's a warrior the people who jump up and say like look look at me look at the stuff that i survived you're like yeah you got a paper cut like i'm 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 sorry for you but sit back down because it's the people who stay seated and the people who just sort of keep getting out of bed every day and keep facing it those are the warriors That's how you know. Courage is not doing scary things without feeling scared. Courage is feeling scared and doing it anyway. Didn't you feel better before you knew that? A big thank you again to Kate for letting us use that episode. 
And next week, three of us will be back with some regular content. Until then, go subscribe to her podcast now. She's great. And for honest to goodness, stay out of the corn.